It's actually a surrendering to music. Yeah. That's what dance is. It's a surrendering. It's a commitment. It's a letting go of your preconceived notion to accept it, to express your conceived notion with it. Mm. It's a relationship. If you don't let go of yourself, then it can't come into you. You can't go into it. When you go into it, you know when a dancer is into it. Like, oh, yeah, they, they're in the music right now. Instantly. You know. Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I talk with movement enthusiasts to learn who they are, what they do, and why they do it. This is episode number 85, Kyle and Danita Clark, better known as Just Soul and Queen Die. Street dance, culture, and community. Some things go beyond a passion to become a way of life. For Just Soul and Queen Die, that way of life is street dance. They share their story, how they started dancing, their backgrounds, and their work as choreographers and professors. Just Soul and Queen Died describe their experiences with dance, from clubbing to teaching, and explain the culture and community of street dance. They discuss family, home, and travel, and how dance weaves through everything in their lives. They are dancers, choreographers, educators, and parents. Currently college professors, they have competed, taught, traveled, and performed together around the world for the last decade. Just Soul and Queen Die founded the Just Soul Street Dance Theater Company and the educational program Funky Soul Fundamentals to preserve the culture and styles of hip-hop, funk, and house dance. For more information, go to moversmindset.com slash 85. And while you're there, take a look around. You'll find information, show notes, and more from every single one of our 85 episodes. Thanks for listening. So thinking back to your childhoods, and I'm assuming you guys didn't know each other in childhood, that would be really, we'd be going right there. But thinking back to your childhoods, what role did movement play in your growing, you know, in your childhood, your formative years? Wow. Ladies first. Oh, yeah. Well, growing up, movement has always been an everyday practice. It was something that we just naturally did in the household. Um, It was a social thing, a cultural thing. Saturday morning, cleaning up, the music was playing. And as the music played, we naturally would dance and Mm. express ourselves. And that's how, that's just something that was natural to us. Everything she said. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you say what she said. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was, it was mutual. Uh, uh, the same thing, both of my parents uh, were funketeers. They kept mm. tons of records. My dad had tons of records. So Saturday morning was that playtime. You go over great-grandmom's house. She's playing a Thriller album. You know what I mean? Like, <gasps> so, you know, the music was there, and we always danced around whenever we heard it. Mm. So I saw, the, I saw Thriller. I saw the tour. Wow. <laughs> at, the vet, <laughs> at the vet. I think I was 14 at the time, but, yeah, I saw him do that. What do you think was, was there ever a time when, when you weren't moving? Like, I, I know that your story, I want to just, I'm just going to say soul. So yeah. I, I know that your story involves your grandmother teaching you piano. Uh-huh. And so I mean, like, there sounds like there's a part there where your family kind of wanted you to learn more than move, but then your grandmother saw something. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking, like, your grandmother was a bit of a catalyst to get you to somehow combine maybe music with movement? Is that? Yeah, right? well, <laughs> it was my, prote- well, both of my grandmothers mm-hmm. were pianists for over 50 years. So mm-hmm. 
eventually one of them were going to teach me. <laughs> my father's mother just happened to be the first one to be like, hey, come on. The three years old, she sat me in front of the piano. And I, I actually remember the song to this day. So that was my introduction into music. And they stayed with us on the piano and they sang. And, uh, you know, my family had a choir mm. that went along with the church. So I had to sing and didn't know I could and could. And so it was this whole thing. So I had a, a multitude of different routes coming up when it came to music hmm. so i think the movement part came in a little bit from the frustration that i couldn't sit still and i was a night owl <laughs> and the other half was when i lit up seeing things right. like uh gregory hines hmm. he was that mm -hmm. first person that clicked the switch and i was like wow seeing tap and like 88 or something like that, that right there, it just, it sent my mind like that way. I was like, wow, guys do that. Like, you know, yes. so that's kind of where that started. Cool. I mean, for me, the same thing. I was told that my mom was dancing um, when she was pregnant with me. Mm -hmm. So naturally I came out as a mover, but just kind of like all kids, all children <laughs> love to move, especially when you're playing music and it's a daily practice for you uh, growing up. So also along with that, you know, being born in 83, so you figure by the time I'm like six, seven, eight, you know, I'm watching like that's the late 80s. So then we're, yeah. you know, that's the, the visual the, element is readily accessible. Exactly. Like Pre-internet. I mean, yeah, digital. <laughs> you're not digital. I'm not a digital native. You're not digital imports. But the TV, there was a lot. I can, I can remember. I mean, for, in my household, it was American Bandstand mm. and, and Dick Clark and right. Oh yeah, Dick Clark. But yeah, sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt your no, train of thought. No, no, but yeah, just being serious. Like you know, you we had Soul Train. Right. We were yes. looking at Soul Train. Right. So that definitely played a big, you know, had a big impact on you know me as a as a child and just looking and seeing that visually and going back to you know Thriller and Michael Jackson and you know being exposed to Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson and then early movies like Breaking One and Breaking right. Two Dirty Dancing Grease you know yeah. so we were when we saw that I think naturally I was encouraged to get up and move and be inspired by what it is I saw hmm. also on TV as well as within a household so every time that I have a chance to talk to someone, different people, I'm always drawn in two directions. One is what should movers mindset be talking about? Like, you know, what, what, because I have ideas about how movement is a fundamental aspect and people have been like dancing for hundreds of thousands of years. And mm -hmm. it, it's, there's, there's a component of movement, not just dance the way we do it uh, right. recreationally, recreationally these days. So that's one thing that I would love to get to. But the other one I had was the other thing that draws me is like, just questions I want to ask, like you guys, like, it, can everybody dance? Like, and this is not, let's do dance lessons for Craig, because Craig really is not a good dancer. But can everybody dance? Like, because my th thought is there is something, like, so I like to watch dance videos with the sound turned off. And when I watched you guys dance, I was still doing, you know, the stupid seat dance. I, st I did it with no sound. I was like, got it. Like, so there's a visual, I'm not, you know, I'm watching through a screen right. of a pre-recorded thing. I can't, I intentionally can't hear the music. All I can see is the body in motion. Mm -hmm. And I was curious because I wanted to see how the two of you communicated while you're dancing. The best way I think to do that is just turn the sound off and watch. Right. So my actual question is, although you're welcome to turn left on any of these <laughs> side streets, my actual question is, do you think everybody can dance? And like, what the heck is it? Is, is this like in our lizard brains? Okay. Like, we can't not dance? Uh, okay. Dance is a form of expression. Mm -hmm. As in, 
gesture is a form of expression, as mm -hmm. in talking is a form of expression. Of expression. So innately or theoretically, everyone can dance. Okay? It's an innate thing. It's an ability to speak. All of us don't have a developed side of that speech. Mm. Does that make sense? But it doesn't mean that you can't develop it. Right. Right? It's kind of sort of like uh, learning a new language. Right. Right? So, in that aspect, yes, theoretically, everybody can dance. It's just how much you want to dance or mm. what you're dancing for thus determines where you go in it or why you do it. And maybe how my other thought was, and maybe as you were discussing before with music, who, if anyone, sparked it in you? So mm. I, I would say, I almost want to say Princess Die, but I think Queen Die is better. So <laughs> Queen Die. The, the little, I was going to say like a note, but it's like a little image you gave me when you described cleaning. I don't know, I could just, I could just <laughs> picture it. Like, because I, I mean, my Italian family didn't do that, but I could just see how, oh yeah, why? Why wouldn't you put something on the Victrola and, and right. like rock out while you're doing that? But that, you know, may not, that sounds like that was the thing that lit the fire. Maybe it wasn't, but not everybody's going to be in that kind of home. True. Right. Before you got, you mentioned, sorry, when I point, nobody can hear that. Can everybody hear what I'm pointing? <laughs> <laughs> Queen, you mentioned that you were watching things like Soul Train and I, I brought up like American Bandstand and stuff. And my thought was, have you guys ever considered how important the role is of the people who must have behind the scenes fought to get the music that they wanted on the show, right? Yeah. Like not just, you know, the producers want us to play this crap that they're, you know, the record label paid us to play, but there must have been somebody in those shows that was like, no, this is, we need to play this. And that person must have offered that. And my, my question is, have you ever thought about how much of a role you guys are playing, like you're playing that role in the dance community, it seems to me. Yeah. Do you think about that consciously or, or did I just mess the soup up? No, um, I think that's an excellent uh, question and observation. Uh, definitely that is a part of why we do what we do. We started Funky Soul Fundamentals, mm. um, which is another one of our entities besides just Soul Street Dance Theater. But Funky Soul Fundamentals is dedicated to the preservation of hip-hop, house, and funk dance styles. So we bring in the pioneers and edu edu as educators as well as innovators of these street dance forms that have disseminated all of this information globally. So we thought it was you know, imperative to bring them to Philadelphia so the local community can have access to it because a lot of people, if they're not in college, they don't have access to what it is that we teach. So we consciously, you know, did that to provide people with the source so they can then be inspired to take their movement and craft to the next level with history and culture guided behind the, the movement practice. Because, you know, like you said, like when I was growing up, we put on music and that helped me, at least it helped me get through my chores. Mm. So it was a fun way for me to enjoy my responsibility. So it was a two prong kind of thing. But as I was dancing then, I wasn't thinking about movement as practice. Right. It was just something innately. Like my mom knew that I would be happy if I have music that I like. So then I'm more inclined to do mm, what she asked, <laughs> what to she do. asked me to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah, we were conscious about the decision to teach the way we teach and to also teach what it is we teach. Right. And when those pioneers leave, there's a responsibility to, to upkeep that information if you're a practitioner of said yeah. form. Like it's like, how do I put this? Not everybody is meant to be an organizer or a leader. Let me say that first. But if you're going to 
want to push a culture to the next level, there comes a responsibility of how you disseminate that information. Now, as far as music is concerned, it's about bringing it, it's about bringing it, bringing something to the table, right? right? right. Who are you? What's your background? What are you yeah. about? And bring that to the table. So whatever music was good to you, you bring that. If people feel it, they feel it. If they don't, they don't. But then you also want to be careful of what music you select based upon how you want yeah, the culture you, to yeah. be represented. You're magnifying, right? Correct. It has, right. A, it has a, a like a behind. It has a behind the scenes, not just a little push, but it's also like a subtle behind the scenes. Yes. You can right. influence your students. Well, you're going to influence your students, but you could do it, you know, inadvertently and push True. them into mm. a way that magnified. And suddenly now, I I, I don't know anything about hip hop. I mean, I. But it's like the difference between house. I actually know the tiniest bit about like a, what popping and locking is. Like I've had a guest who was talking about this. I know a little bit about that, mm -hmm. but I can't separate the dance styles. But it, it seems to me like you could inadvertently lead someone to really be passionate about one, and then they kind of go that way, thinking that's the only thing that there is. Mm -hmm. And I, Queen Di, I know you talked, I believe, about ballet training when you yes. were younger. And for, for me, like as a podcaster, <laughs> there's like this information pollution fear that I have. So on one side, I don't want to know anything about you because in the back of my mind, I'm watching a video and I'm like, oh, yeah, I see ballet. Right. Do I really <laughs> or, or do I think I see ballet? Got it. Or, or maybe the fact that I know that there's ballet there means that it's easier for her to talk to me. But like it's like meta, meta, meta. Makes meta. sense. Um, so <laughs> I, what I'm wondering is you guys have different formal training backgrounds in, mm -hmm. in, your, in like the, the little kid. Not that I'm belittling little kids ballet they work really hard <laughs> but the the adolescent education backgrounds are very different from your mm -hmm. formal dance training and do you find that that comes up like i'm guessing at this point after a decade of dancing together and 15 years of like choreographing choreographing together do you find that you actually have little arguments about like <laughs> the, i mean i know you have arguments i'm married too i know you have arguments but, but ballet like does the ballet beast go up against the jazz beast or like do you, you, it's just two people and the, the, i mean the funny thing I is told you I'm nuts. <laughs> no it's great i mean we both started fairly late in our formal training in ballet and modern so i didn't get like Ballet and modern was always around when I was younger, but I was actually looking for a formal training in hip hop and street dance styles, and it w just wasn't around. But mm. what, um, what year was that? Just I want to put a pin in the map. Uh, when I well, at fifteen okay. uh, is when I started my ballet and modern dance training. But I could I could walk anywhere and find that training when I was younger. But I, that's not what I wanted. Uh, I, I actually see. wanted hip hop and street dance, but that was inaccessible. You would have people doing personal choreography, you know, which is great, but most of the time the movement was suggestive and so was the music. And that's not what I was looking for. I was looking for what I saw in the movie Breaking One and Breaking mm -hmm. Two. That just wasn't around. I fell in love with ballet and modern in high school because I had a third generation uh, Horton teacher uh, named uh, Faye Snow. And then I also had Clyde Michael Hayes for ballet. And they taught me everything that I knew. Um, I walked in there with just brawl ability doing my own thing to like hip hop party music and I freestyled to get into that school. But in terms of actual formal training, they provided me with all of that. And within four years, they developed me into a strong dancer. That's how I got into UART. So I definitely appreciate, we both appreciate the training that we've received, but there was just something else on the other, on one side I'm filled when I'm dancing to gospel music and doing like modern dance. But on the other side, I knew there was a side of me that I wanted to further push, but I it was inaccessible at the time. So it was just like one side was stagnant and the other one was ballet and modern. And that was great, but I wanted more. Mm. 
you know, if that makes sense. It, it, it does. And when, so her formal training came from one educator, Faith Snow, and mine came from Kim Bears Bailey, which is another educator that is well respected within the black dance community. So our upcoming in the and the classical way was coming up the same way. So no, we didn't have too many arguments about classical dance. Mm. The only arguments we had is what we couldn't do. Like, look, you can do that, I can't do that. Okay, those are all the arguments we have in there. But when it comes to hip hop, okay, so we both definitely come from two different backgrounds, right? Mm. So I'm coming out of the tap background. She's coming out of African, right? So now our rhythm patterns and how we approach music is a little bit different. So. I'm more of a on the one kind of guy, tap dance, right? And then there's the hi hat, the hi hat, the and, and she's a I'm on that one. She's an and count, so sometimes it just. Uh, dude, I saw Grace Kelly. I saw you dancing in tap, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not a huge Grace Kelly fan, but I, I mean, <laughs> like, sorry, what is that? Grace Kelly is the actress. Sorry. Gene? Gene Kelly. Gene Thank Kelly, you. Yeah, yeah. That was a brain fart. That was not me thinking that you actually looked like Grace Kelly. <laughs> no but I saw moments in your and you were doing street dance the video that i was watching there were moments in the street dance where i swear i saw a tiny bit of kelly in there and i was like did you do that on this is the actual question did you do that on purpose when you were dancing or does it just come out because it's in your dna it part part of it comes out from that i didn't watch too much gene kelly a lot (laughs) to be honest um a lot of that comes from the predecessors before gene kelly like your Nicholas brothers and things of that nature mm. who have that kind of style. So that jazz style then morphed to Lindy Hop, from Lindy Hop then morphed to hip hop. So oh. it's kind of like a lineage thing. So some of the original steps were encapsulated through the birth of different movements. They stayed the same because the struggle stayed the same. same. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So mm. it kind of stayed the same. So it, it comes through genetically to some degree innately in some degree than others it's from whatever situation community or space that you're in learning Mm. Mm. so if you're in a space where you have seasoned people that have been in the dance for a long time you're going to begin to pick up those idioms or or small little nuances that you're like oh that looks like gene kelly well where did gene kelly get that from you see what i'm saying right right yeah like that so that, that's kind of how that rocks. My favorite part is when I'm wrong. I love that part. That's the part where I'm like, I mean, the Grace Kelly thing is just Craig being a stupid old person. Like, brain doesn't matter. No, she was wildly celebrated. No, nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. That's what, what it comes to like, You don't look like Grace Kelly when you dance. You know? No, no, no. No, no, no. There are some idioms because that soft shoe kind of style yeah. is what translated into vernacular jazz, mm. right? So that's where that kind of, that line gets blurred. We've been bopping around the different things. And one of the places I wanted to, like... I, to me, it's all like a giant soup, and I like I just pick random dots out and draw lines. And so there's I don't know if you guys have ever done parkour or art de placement or if you've ever seen any of that stuff. So that's where this project originally started was talking to people about parkour, and one of the evergreen struggles in parkour is the public perception of the activity. Mm. So like if if like we were standing on this before, like um, I'm leaning on a concrete. 36 inch balustrade. 
if we were standing on this before, people look at you like, get yeah. down from there, old man. You should know better. You're going to fall and break your hip, you know? <laughs> right. And I'm guessing, this is what I, what I want to know, I'm guessing that you don't have to, so for us, that's like, the struggle is real. I mean, people, mm-hmm. like, I'll be balancing and stuff, and they'll be like, get down from there, that's dangerous. Well, it, it was, I mean, you distracting me makes it better. Like, what do you mean? Right. Right. But I'm guessing that even at your most edgy, pushy, pop-up street dance, people don't, like, tell you to knock it off. Does that, I mean, like, how does it work when you go into a space? Do you feel like you're generally free to just go in? Like, if you guys just wanted to throw down right here, I think people would, like, show up and want to know where the hat is for the money because I've seen your dance. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm just thinking, dance seems like it's super accepted mm-hmm. no matter what it is. Right. right. Is that, am I? Well, uh, no, it's a, it's a universal language. Mm-hmm. Some folks debate it's not a language because it doesn't have phonetics like in regards to actual lettering that you can read and put in sentences, but you actually can. And that's a conversation for another, another time. But, but still, nonetheless, yes, it, it's the people's dance. Hip-hop, street dance is mm-hmm. the people's dance. So when you do it amongst the people, it's going to be received well. You know, of course, people. some people are going to scoff. That's what they do. Because if, if we allow people scoffing to affect us, then B-boys would have never did their thing B-boying on cardboard, on our street corner. People right. got to walk by. People got to go work. People got to get on the bus. And here they yeah. are with speakers and doing backspins, right? So it, it's one of those things where if it's coming out of honesty, you'll honestly get what you're putting out. Does that mm. make sense? People want to know honestly because they like, yo, that you're really dancing. I don't see a head. I don't see anything. I just, I want to be around that mm. energy. It's an ontological thing. You know, it's a spiritual thing. It's more than just a physical thing. When people feel it, they want to come closer to it. Mm. Does that make sense? So, yeah, it, it crosses fields. It gets into science. It's, it's, another, <laughs> it's another thing. I mean, Do you secretly judge people who somehow manage to walk by and not be engaged? <laughs> I, I, I watch people walk behind you guys, and I was like, yo, 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 Holmes, are you even looking? Like, do you even see? The, no, they don't see this phone or whatever right do you are, are you just like in the zone and you're busy yeah you know it's an queen, escape I know, as queen, well I don't know how you smile so much I, oh yeah and you can it looks <laughs> well you know i know i no, i mean on your, on your dancing. When, no, no, i can tell you're smiling because i can see your eyes but i meant when you're dancing you smile a lot mm-hmm. and i know what my face looks like when i'm doing something that's physically taxing and i look like <laughs> grumpy and i'm just like you really love what you're doing like yeah. The only way you could smile like that. So, I, I'm sorry. I was saying, do you secretly judge people who somehow manage to not engage? No. I mean, you, you know, there were a lot of times where we were dancing, in a, you know, for like a, a video and people would literally stop within the shot. <laughs> and that is the most annoying thing like ever because it's like clearly you see a videographer and we're dancing and you're just standing there in the shot. Mm. So then we got to do another take. But I love when people naturally walk by because it's just, you know, displaying everyday life. Mm. You know, like mm. I paused for a second and this is how I celebrate, you know, and this is how I praise. So I'm going to do this right here on the spot, regardless of what's going on around me. Because honestly, when I'm dancing, I'm not to say I'm not paying attention to my surrounding, but the feeling of the dance takes over more than what's going on around me. She's always had that joy. That's what we all love about her. She, mm. she dances with a joy. It's a joy that can't be replicated and when you feel that joy you want to be around that joy forced yeah you can't take that yeah i don't have i don't have that (laughs) (laughs) queen what's something i should have asked soul so far that i didn't oh why he hasn't written his book yet because everybody we meet they're like oh my god no i mean because you know have you actually started (laughs) no i have i i have thoughts it, it's go. It, it has a direction in my head. It's just well, I just started graduate school, 
So it's back to the real time oh, writing oh, again. You know what I mean? Work. So it's okay. It's it's getting me into a mode and into a space where, okay, this is consistent writing. This is what this feels like. This mm. is another sort of practice. So it's just getting used to the practice of writing because I've been a physical embodied practitioner for so long. Mm. It's different to just sit down and write all day, mm. right? So it's an adjustment. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to it. I'm just saying only everybody asks you that, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, work out, work Every out. Every once in a while, I wish I was shooting video because you're missing the show. <laughs> right, right, right. Of course, the question goes two ways. What should I have asked Queen Di? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> you didn't see that coming? <laughs> no, I, I didn't see it coming. Um, wow. What it means to be a woman in the position that she is within not only culture but academia. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a loaded question. Wow. I should have asked you a better oh, one. Oh, hey, no, it's okay. It's, it's bad. That's, that's <laughs> you can ask him what it means to be a woman? It's a great honor and a great privilege to stand in a place to disseminate culture that I've been so graciously a part of within the Philadelphia community. You know, there's a lot of when it comes to hip hop and street dance, people only look at the movement or the music and they don't search deeper to the meaning behind it or the culture of people who have lived in these clubs that have laid the foundation for what it is we do and what we teach. There were generations before us that shared with us, and I've been honored to be one of the only or the only female for years amongst the men battling and entering ciphers and finding my own voice and not being intimidated by what's around me, but leveling up within my craft. And so to be from, you know, I understand the responsibility it is for me to serve as a woman that can inspire other women to accept what it is they have to say within their craft and to push beyond what's around them and set standards and boundaries for themselves. Do you get, so continuing on this train of thought, do you get pushback from within the dance space? Like there, there's issues you know, we can talk about um, gender issues in society mm-hmm. as a whole. We can talk about gender issues like in, you know, in religious context. But I'm right. just thinking like in dance. So like, do you get pushback like when you're doing dance rehearsals? Or do you get pushback maybe because you're in a position of power slash authority now? And then people like the dudes lower down rebel. I'm just like wondering what's the power dynamic that you've experienced? That's yeah. The ne- what, what is the negative power dynamic that you wish would go away? The funny thing about it is, you know, people will test you, especially the men. If they're learning from a woman, they're like, oh, but what is it that she's doing? Is she going to spin on her head? Because if she's not doing that, I don't particularly want to learn from her. Or I don't feel that there's anything that I can learn mm. from her. And regardless, I'm not doing that kind of dynamic, but my right. movement and my expression is dynamic. And once they see me do what I do, then they respect it. And they, they're like, oh, okay, okay. Because to most men, everything is a competition. To most mm. within dance. But when you show that you can hold your own as a woman, they may, you know, they may, I've been tested. And then I've also held my own. So then I've gained a lot of respect from She's the local late. community <laughs> at large. And at large as well. Because, you know, hip hop and street dance culture is a show and prove culture. You know, you have to be about what you're speaking about. So even if I walk into a college and I'm saying, hey, you know, do this stuff. It's not about just learning the choreography. It's Mm. about paying homage to those before you, knowing where the movement comes from, knowing why you do it personally, why other people did it, what you can do, you know, with it, where you want to push it, and learning technique and foundation as well, which is very important because when people think about hip-hop and street dance, they think that there's no technique 
and foundation. No, I and I'm here to tell you that it is. <laughs> I saw a lot of technique and foundation. <laughs> so, you know, after day one, they're like, oh, okay, I love her. And I'm like, I love you too. Yeah, I mean, it's not much to not, I mean, you, it doesn't matter the style under the street dance umbrella. She'll give you a run for her money mm. just on honesty alone, mm. let alone her technical abilities. You know what I'm saying? So, You're so sweet. Respect. <laughs> I think that's respect. <laughs> Hard and well-earned. Maybe we'll take a moment to talk a little bit, just briefly. I don't always do this, but let's just talk a little bit about the space that we're in. Mm -hmm. um, we are smack dab in the middle of Rittenhouse Square, the park, which is in the middle of Rittenhouse Square, the neighborhood in Philadelphia. So some of the things you hear in the background are just people. And I, I said, oh, this reminds me of like a Paris neighborhood. There's, we're a little further apart than people normally are, but... There's people all over. There's people in the grass. Somebody popped a bottle of champagne over here before. I don't know what was going on over there. <laughs> people with dogs. And I'm wondering, uh, I can turn anything into a question. What types of spaces make you have to move? Uh, <laughs> what kind of spaces make you have to move? Let's, of course, a club space mm -hmm. without question. You're like, I, I have to move here. Anything that you see has a danceable floor makes you want to go in on it. Mm. At least for me personally. I see a dance studio, like, oh wow, it's a floor. Like, I'm ready to go in. It doesn't matter. Uh, Even walking in a market. Like, right. if, if they play a song that I like, I'm going to two step. Mm. <laughs> in the, in the, right. You right, know, right. it naturally comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's a funk track. Oh, Lord. Right. Mm, yeah, yeah. We go off in the group. I mean, wherever and whenever music is played is the right time to dance. And if the floor is conducive, because Lord knows we've danced on some uh, stages that were not conducive. <laughs> no. Yeah, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know. We're trip. standing on, I'm standing, they're sitting. We're standing on cobblestones. Right. <laughs> this might be a little sketchy, but. No right. Uh, we have memories here. Mm. Right. Da Donita's most viewed uh, video ever was shot right there behind us. Uh, mm. Yeah, so. This, this place definitely holds history for us. We've done, we've danced out here in the park mm -hmm. several times. Uh, when a class got, sometimes our classes are like, oh, can we go outside and take class? Yeah, where are we going to go? We'll go to Rittenhouse, go to Rittenhouse. And, yeah. and go dance. So, yeah. Everything's feasible. Yeah, that, that music. That, that's oh, not yeah, right now. That's in, right now, my foot is tapping. In the, oh, yeah, well, like, I don't, I, like I said, I, I don't dance. I know that I'm bad enough that I don't do it, but, like, I caught myself just now, like, Yep, that yeah. head bob. That's where it starts. Um, my hips are moving. I'm like, uh oh. Yeah. And then my next thought was, wait, why is there music in the podcast? And then I, <laughs> I, I peeked out from under my headphones. I would have like the dorky headphones on. And I was like, oh no, that's out here. Like, that's right. Good. It's all a part of the atmosphere, okay, which makes community. Yeah. You know. One of the challenges was like, oh, where are we going to record? And I'm like, oh, let's just go record outside. It, it makes for a different, uh, they call it, like the soundscape. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of like that we got a little bit of music. What, is yeah. it? what kind of music is that? Oh, this is trap. Trap. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you can do a slow knot or a double time knot. Yeah. Right. right. Of course, I would take the double time route. Great. <laughs> hey. Yep, you're missing it. I saw it. Melissa saw it. <laughs> what is the... Uh, there's so many... I, I say this all the time. People listening get sick of hearing me say this, but I always feel like we're walking you know, down a street having a conversation and all there are side streets like we can go here we can go there we can do these things mm -hmm. so there's so many things that we could we could talk about but maybe I'll, I'll serve it to you guys is there something that you were thinking about on the way over here or maybe in the days leading up if hopefully not too stressful but something you were thinking yeah. about on the way over here that you wanted to get to oh so many things yeah that uh, you could talk about at a time like this uh, 
Well, more than anything, what we've been talking about is a appropriation that. and a responsibility that we have as educators to introduce that to our students so they can they can then know the responsibility that they have to take with said culture they choose to engage in. Right. You know, giving back credit, citing your sources. You know, a lot of times people are thinking about what it is they can take from street dance without giving proper respect or acknowledgement back to them. And that's a very big thing. Or without, or just simply without participation. Yeah. You know, you can't say you're a part of a culture if you don't participate. We tell our students all the time, you know, learning, learning the dance language doesn't make you a citizen no more than taking a French class makes you a French citizen. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So you have the language now. That just gets you in there and allow you to ask where you want to go, right? right. It, where's the bathroom? Where do I get something to eat? Like, you got the basic <laughs> phrases. That's great, right. right? Now, get involved. Talk to somebody. It's, it, you know, once you become a part of a community, then a, and when a, a community recognizes you, you won't get so much backlash if you decide to teach, yeah. right? But there are a lot of folks that, you know, watch YouTube and go out there and try to be stars, which... I don't want to shoot down YouTube. It's a gift and a curse, right? Mm -hmm. You're giving us a window into places we would never see without you. Yes. And at the same time, you're also encouraging people to do the same exact things mm -hmm. without previous knowledge. So right. it's like, right. it's this give and take kind of situation. But just, just making sure that students understand the difference between appropriation and just having a good time. Right? Yeah. You can have a good time. You can do... Hey... You can do that in your bedroom without putting it on TikTok. Mm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you put it on TikTok because you're looking for views. You're looking for yes. information. External validation. Exactly. And there you got it. Yes. And while being external to the culture, you know, it's just, it's a bunch of externalness, mm. right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just that. Those are, those are one of the things we wanted to, to stress that, you know, and we don't want uh, the young folks to not learn or grow or teach or do any of those things. Those things are important, but there's a difference between an instructor and a teacher and a teacher and an educator. True. You can be all of those things and you can only be one of those things. Right. So it's understanding yeah. the multifacetedness of being someone who imparts, right? Because right. to impart or us at this level now, we're professors. And when you think of the word professor, the root word is profess. What does mm. it mean to profess? Mm -hmm. It means to honestly teach or educate or impart on a level of something that you feel as though is good. Right. Right. That's what it means to profess. Right. Confess means you know you did something bad. Oops. Right. So you're you're <laughs> professing. So are you truly professing, or are you instructing, or are you just teaching? You can teach anyone, anyone. You can instruct someone how to do things, but everybody can can educate and teach in the same manner. So mm. just getting you to understand the responsibility of education and what it means to impart as a a respected facet within the culture like being a choreographer is like being a dancer is like being a performer is those are all different facets of yeah. the culture right and, and respecting each one of them I, I mean I could wake up and DJ today but I'm not going to be a world respected I shouldn't be a world respected DJ overnight because I played a couple of high tracks it's my association to the culture right that, that makes you that so mm. just remembering that you know if you really want to be a part of the culture participate now it's really hard to participate yeah. because you know we're all locked in <laughs> i was gonna right, ask right, what right. have you been doing like uh, before i was thinking of uh, earlier i was thinking of asking how <laughs> <laughs> making great meals yeah, put on man. a good 15 man yeah, once <laughs> more louder for those in the last row of the choir um 
Well, I mean, <laughs> it is like, real. I like you. Oh, yeah, the battle is real. I fancy myself a rock climber. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe if I cut a leg off. What I was going to say is, what, before I was going to, earlier, I was going to ask, how many hours a week before 2020, how many hours a week did you, did you guys spend like honing your craft, not not teaching, not choreographing for a job, but like we got to work this out. Like how many hours a week? And I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just wondering, like, <laughs> what does it mean to really be committed? Because I think the answer is going to be a little scary. Look. <laughs> well, oh, wow. Well, before 2020. Far before 2020. Yeah. It started way back in 2002. Well, yeah, from 2002 all the way up until 2015, because that's when we had Elle, our daughter, our who's five now. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, it was something we did daily. I mean, we, we partied four nights a week at different clubs, the Sunday party on the Mashalu boat at Walnut Room oh, at uh, Lowy's. Lowy's. What was that place on South Street that closed? Uh, Silk City Diner. Silk City. Oh, yeah. And the other place on South Street. I forgot the name. Fluid. Fluid. So oh, there, yeah, there fluid. were tons of, you know, clubs and venues that we went to at least four times a week. But then outside of that, we were, you know, free. We were just freestyling. We played music. We were going, even mm. if it was just us, you know, in the living room going rounds because that's what we did to music. And it's not that so much that we were counting the hours, but after you think about it, that was about like maybe thirty hours a week minimum. Say, that's a full time job. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. basically. So we took, we took, that's we a took a lot of conscious. That's a lot of time put into your craft. Yeah, which you mentioned before participation, and I went, yeah, I'm not sure that people who haven't yet participated in something would even understand what you are saying. Yeah, and I think talking about that time, that amount of street credit, so. Uh, art de placement parkour is known as a culture of effort. If people see that you're working, mm-hmm. right. they that's your that's like your admit not, not your admittance ticket, but like you people will like the you know okay you're you're cool if right, you're working. Right. You don't have to actually be good to be accepted in the communities. Now that the assumption is that you're working toward being better, right, um, right. But it seems to me like dance has this little bit more of a yeah, and you also need to be able to dance. Like you yeah. need to be able to do it, not just. I know all about it. I'm working on it. I'm sorry I suck. No. I'm not good enough. No. I'm not good enough. <laughs> not that at all. I mean, you know, and the beautiful thing about hip-hop and street dance culture is, you know, you are allowed to be yourself within the culture, mm. right? But if you're in a club and a cypher breaks out, which is a circle where people are sharing and OGs are going in, showing their thing, like doing their thing and showing their stuff, like, you better wait on the side until they're done. You know, because at that, you know, that's when that transcends, you know, transcends from just, you know, going in the middle and expressing yourself and it becomes a spiritual thing, Mm, you know, where uh, vibes are passed around and you are like pulled into the circle and then you black out and then you're on a whole nother realm. And so if you're, you know, a beginner, you kind of want to stay on the outskirts and kind of learn. Yeah, second row. It's okay. You're taking notes, you're learning, and then you're seeing that it's not just about the moves you learned in class or... Mm the moves you saw other people do that you're trying to, you know, regurgitate. It's about knowing that this is an escape. This is a spiritual thing. We're in line with the music. We're letting the music take us to the next level. You're letting off and releasing everything you went through during the week, whether it was negative, positive, whether you're happy or sad, this is your release. You know, so it's more than just doing steps. And when people go to the club, then they then understand that. Because if if you're just regurgitating a drill that we gave you for purposes of you learning and understanding the aesthetic, that has nothing to do 
refreeing yourself and blacking out within the club setting of a culture that's been made before you by OGs and pioneers that are sharing this energy and showing us the way this thing is practiced and done. Don't get me wrong. Yes, they embrace. We're all embracing. But when that cipher happens, it's a serious thing. They're creating a special spot. Exactly. Correct, correct. And, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lesson. It's a classroom. Our yeah. classroom was the club. Yeah. There was no formal hip-hop classes being taught here mm. in the city. So we were going to school at UArts during the day. And then, at, and then at night, we're in the club, four yeah, days yeah. a week, five days a week. And that went on at least minimum until 2011. But even then, you know, where some clothes started to shut, some clubs shut down, but they would do multiple nights at the same spot. So we were right. still able to do our thing, still right? Still doing it the same number of times. Right, yeah, yeah. right. And so with that consistency allowed us to construct our own style based upon our experience in the field more so experience than, than having someone say hey this is how you do it we learned how you do it by watching we're watching mm. we feel it wasn't about what you were doing it was about what we felt when mm -hmm. we saw you do it mm. right. it's like what is that like i can't copy that you can't copy that right. that's something you have to come with so it takes a long time one to get to that part where you feel like your language is good enough to communicate with other people in the field without being having that fear of, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about, right? Mm. It's like right. walking into a room where you're like, oh, they use all these big words. I don't think I'm going to be like, right? It's, it's kind of the same thing, right? <laughs> but, what you, but, but then what you, what you later on realize is that it's the feeling that's directing those words. Yes. Not yeah, words language being Language is just directed. the medium. The dance is Correct, just the medium. Right, yeah. right, right. And it's actually a surrendering to mm. music. Yeah. That's what dance is. It's a surrendering. It's a commitment. It's a letting go of your preconceived notion to accept it, to express your conceived notion with it. Mm. It's a relationship. You understand? Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you don't let go of yourself, then it can't come into you. You can't go into it. When you go into it, you know when a dancer is into it. Like, oh, yeah, they're, they're in the music right now. Instantly. You know, because the feeling, it feels like somebody's pushing you back against the wall, but you're standing still. You feel it immediately. And you can see that transition in real time. Right. Some people's eyes thing. start moving around. Some people start talking. Some people, while they dancing? Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, yeah, yeah, I know you feel it. Oh, like they're going <laughs> off and they talking while they're dancing. And you're like, wow, like they're in right now. Mm -hmm. And you know it. And the moment they stop, the feeling goes down. And that's how you know that you were in the, in the presence there. Right, right. Of, uh, uh, of that spiritual side. So... You can't have that kind of education from a classroom. Yeah. Which is why participation is important. It is as simple as paying $5 to get into the club. Stop asking to get on the guest list. The DJ got E2. Exactly. The DJ got kids too. You exactly. Know, the, the, the venue owner has children too. Right. You know, so it's, it's as simple as that. If you like it, buy it. What, what is it about Philly? Uh, so I live about an hour from here north, and so I've been in the city well, many, many times, um, but I've never lived here. Never really, other than, you know, just been like an in-and-out tourist kind of thing. Mm -hmm. right. So what is it about, if anything, that you could point to about Philadelphia that created that crucible? Ooh. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> well, well, that's a good sign. People go, ooh, <laughs> in response to my questions. Uh, ooh. Uh, you can speak from an insider's perspective. I'll it, speak as, from an outsider's as a, perspective. As a Philadelphian, I mean, I can definitely say, like, going back again, talking about, like, um, the social environments that we were just in. 
we definitely, there's a lot of block parties in Philly. I can't speak for nowhere else, but you have kids that are definitely doing their thing. People have been doing, uh, it's a social dance called the Wu-Tang, mm-hmm. and people have been doing that for years. <laughs> Something about the neighborhoods that, that Yeah, the different that neighborhoods. Yeah, I mean, in each different neighborhood has their own culture. You have North Philly, you have right. South Philly, you have West Philly. I'm originally from Mount Airy. And we all got down. We all did our thing, you know. And then even growing up, I worked at a lot of different after school programs and the kids were just vibrant and free about art, especially dance. So it's this kind of go hard that Philly has. I'm not saying other people, other places don't have it. Definitely, you know, New York does. But Philly is strong and we have our own thing, too. But it's definitely something that's ingrained. I believe, and maybe it's due to our living situations. You know, my di- my living di- situation is different from other people, but, you know, as far as growing up, like I said, that that's something that was just around. It was around consistently at birthday parties we were dancing, at block parties we were dancing, at cookouts we were dancing. I'm dancing with my aunt. I'm dancing with my mom, my grandmother. Like, whenever music is playing, we're going off. And that's something I can say that happens here, even when we randomly walk on different blocks. Somebody plays the music, turn right or left, somebody's dancing. It doesn't matter how old they are. And there's probably music on every block, too. There's something about that there's... I'm trying to think if there's music in any of the neighborhood around me. It's like, no. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something effort. about density. You also need the correct, not too dense so that everybody is sick of each other, but also <laughs> dense enough that when somebody makes a ripple, that that ripple engages other people. That might my, my guess that that's part of what makes Philly work. It is mm-hmm. not. New York City, I don't know how much time you spent there, but New York City is a tall city. You walk in mm-hmm. the city and you are dwarfed, literally, yeah. right. I mean, unless, you're, well, unless you're way uptown or something. But generally, it's a very big, like big in that over towering over you type of sense. Whereas mm-hmm. Philly doesn't give you that vibe. You go to like Little Italy or the waterfront or something. It's like, yeah, six stories. I mean, like here there's mm-hmm. tall buildings around us, but there's a very open feel. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's space. I'm air quoting, not that anybody can hear me, but there's space for people to like occupy. Yeah. Whereas if you go into a really big city, dense city, it's like you got to fight just to make elbow room. Right. So how oh, that right. would seem to be not conducive to the kind of spontaneous creation that yeah, I think you're describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh. It, hey, it happened in New York first. That's how we got hip hop in the first place. Right. The, the right. boroughs, as tight as they were, folks were still out there getting it in. Mm-hmm. And it came from out of those boroughs. It's yeah. a part mm-hmm. of African American culture mm-hmm. where we play our music outside. Yeah. We have parties outside. It's yeah. also part of Caribbean culture. And a lot of Caribbean yes. natives came on, up to the Upper East Coast, you know, so that that meshing of different cultures, cultures African and Caribbean, and then here you go, you got this big, like, mixing pot of, of hip-hop. And so me being an outsider coming in, I grew up in Baltimore, so I was born and raised there for 18 years before I got here. And in getting here, instantly I connected and it was familiar because I hear Baltimore club music in people's cars and neighborhoods or blocks as I'm going to say, what, they playing Baltimore club music? What they know about that? I grew up with that, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, it was more of a social gathering thing. The dance was at a minimum in Baltimore, mm-hmm. but the socialness was on an all-time high where mm-hmm. everybody knew everybody. Mm-hmm. And then coming here was like, oh, wow. I get that feeling. I still get that feeling, but it's different now. I'm there are no bars. There are lounges. What is that? Mm-hmm. Like, right. oh, you go in. Oh, it's marble floors in here. Oh, okay. I can actually dance on this. Oh, they playing house music. That's kind of like Be More Club, but 
it has a different feel and I like mm -hmm. that. You know, it was this, it's this eclecticness about the city that I'm like, I like this. I want to be involved. I want to grow. I want to do more. And the more people I met, the more I realized that it was a very, very, very diverse city. I grew mm -hmm. up, I got on the train. It was only black people on the train. There was nobody else on the train. The first time I got on Broad Street line, I thought I got on the wrong train. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Am I going the wrong way? Am I going out to the county, county, county? They're like, no, it's only a couple stops. I'm like, really? Like, really? Like, I, it was severe culture shock because wow. it was just so different. But it just, uh, it made me realize that this city... It, it has so many cultures involved in it. It was just good to be able to talk to people of other cultures and figure out where I stand in the world. And it allowed me to understand where I stood in the world, you know what I'm saying, in a different way. So that's kind of what Philadelphia brought. It has a worldness to it, right? Yeah. A, a soul to it that you can't find anywhere else. You can't else. find, yeah. You can't. I've been to Baltimore, I've been to New York. We, we've been there. Something about here. And you know what? Shout out to Lee Jones, too. Lee Jones. Because, um... Yeah, the Sunday party, that's where we first entered the culture in, in 2002. Yeah. And so basically what he has now is he, since when? Yeah, it's always been. Since 2002, he had an all-age event. So you would see people there uh, on a hula hoop, little kids, people bringing their dogs. So it was an all-age event for people to engage in house dance music and culture. Mm -hmm. And that's something that he's provided for other generations of other races and all cultures to come in and, you know, and create our own community, reaching different ages. That, and that's been going on what, 16, 17, that, yeah. 16 years. That was where we started partying together. So it was like, is that where you met? Is that how you met? I'm no. assuming you met Dan. Well, you had to have met Dan. We got we met there. In college. We got there. We met in college. What was it? Dancing or in a class? How did you actually? But actually, we didn't. We didn't share way. any. Yeah, in the hallway, we in didn't share way. any classes. <laughs> she was a grade. She was a grade above me. She, she was a sophomore. I was a freshman. So, I think it was one day on the second floor, the Terra Building, right there, two eleven, uh, South Broad. And you know, she walked by. She said hi. I said hi. And it was kind of sort of like that. And over time, we would see each other here and there, but not consistently. It wasn't until like her senior year mm -hmm. and my junior year did we become friends. It's like, oh, you cool, you cool. Okay, we talked all the time. And we had similar views about a lot of things that were going on at the time. So it was kind of a natural friendship. And then she, at the time, was going out with, okay, here's another shout out. Monsell Durden. Yeah. All right. So Monsell Durden was our first hip hop teacher. Like hip hop teacher. Like somebody who was going to teach us the hip hop <laughs> this curriculum. Is thing? Where do I sign up? Right, right. Because <laughs> when we got into the University of the Arts, there were no hip hop classes. So this was the very first hip hop class we ever took in a collegiate setting space. And he set such a standard. He was such a, a general. He was very corporal mm -hmm. with it. But mm. he made sure we got it in our bodies before he walked out of that space. You did not not have a sense of self. So mm. we owe a lot of that to him but mm -hmm. he really exposed us to the club culture here in the city and that was, that was our entry point and that was the gateway to our relationship beginning mm -hmm. to grow what was the where's the spot where you knew that yeah that I, he's for me she's for me oh wow wow what made that click <laughs> uh i think we both got out of long-term relationships around mm -hmm. about the same time yeah and it was like this six month period where we would just be hanging out and we were hanging, we realized we were hanging out every day after that point. We were like, basically, hey, you know. Yeah, and then it was that. Yeah, we was, worked at the same after school program. We danced mm -hmm. in the same dance company. We clubbed at the same places. 
And then we were just like, you know, Bob, we share a lot of the same views. Right. <laughs> I mean, let's let's keep it a bean. I, I shot my shot twice. Oh, wow. I, I shot twice. He, he did it. Again. I did. I did shoot twice, and he I did and I, it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I shot twice, but it's okay. <laughs> Anything worth having is worth waiting for. And so I said, okay, okay, okay. You know, you. I want to respect you or where you are. You're trying to heal. I feel you. I'm trying to heal too. You yeah. right. Go do, do your thing, right? And it, it was that mutual respect that then fostered that trust when that one day, I think we went, it was 2008, Eight? December, right after Christmas, we did mm-hmm. a gig for uh, CC Winans. Yeah. And that, that was really, really fun. That was the first time I had actually choreographed within, within my mm. college experience. Mm-hmm. So, at that point, I had she had been choreographed. I actually did her piece. That's how we became friends. My, yeah, my senior piece at university was a, was a hip hop piece. So it was like, oh, snap. So that's where our relationship developed. But at that point, when we went to do the Vicky show, she said, yo, I think you could do some choreography. Let me see what you got. That's I did it. And she was like, Vicky yo, Linus, that's dope. Yeah. And uh, she's like, she's like, that's dope choreography. Like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, Kay said it too. Mm-hmm. Right, Katoya. Shout out, Kay. You know what I mean? Like, she, she, they were saying like, yo, this is dope choreography. Let's just do it. So we did it for the show. And I think it was that that step on faith, her trusting me with something that I didn't even know I could do myself, was like, yo, I, I really, I really want to take this thing, you know, to the next level. And then she, at the same time, she was feeling that same way. You know, it was that one moment where you're like, yeah, yeah, and, you know, <laughs> it, just, it clicked. And you know, we've been together ever since. And so that's what twelve years later, going yes. on seven years of marriage in a week, nine days. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) I'm going to assume that you're already teaching your kids to dance because, duh. (laughs) But do you hope that they make it their lives or do you think that they should have a journey which maybe takes them, I'm going to say someplace else, I don't mean geography-wise, but takes them someplace else and then if it really is their calling, then they'll land there? Because we've talked about Mm -hmm. not everybody, everybody can dance, but maybe not everybody should. So how do you figure out so what are your thoughts on on the on your kids and dancing? Oh man, I mean, once again, naturally, they ask us to listen to music, and when they ask for the, their favorite song, we put it on. They dance, mm-hmm. and whatever it is that we're playing, they're dancing. So we haven't like set aside like, hey, I mean, they know what a jack is, right. which is something you do in a house, body, a body rock, a body rock. Right. Yeah, so they know what that is. But outside of that, we don't teach them because we don't want them to feel like it's something they have to live up to mm. or something that they have. We don't want them to feel like they're forced to do this because do we do it and we're are? artists. Do they know who you guys are? I mean, they know who your mom and dad Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> do they know that you guys are famous and that you know what you're talking about? And oh, you teach no. this for a living or are you just the, mom and dad? We're just mom and we're dad. We're just mom and dad. And, you know, they, she knows we teach dance classes. Right. My daughter goes, okay, what, you're going to teach class? Okay, well, can I watch TV in my room? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. She, she knows that we teach dance classes. Uh, and when she watches others, she know who has the step. Like, does. oh, they're doing good. See, mom, she has it. And I'm like, girl, have a seat. Uh, so, you know, they know they know the difference. You know, the other kid, yeah. I just say, do they know that they're different or do they have to not quite figure that one out yet? Because you are, they are in for a real surprise. Yeah. yeah we, we hope, we want to provide them options. Yeah. You know, options. Our parents provided us options. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to provide them options. We feel as though it's, it's a culture, it's a part of the fabric of our culture right. as a couple. So we know that they're going to pick that up in some way, somehow, mm-hmm. even if they don't take it professionally now. Right. Our daughter definitely has shown signs that 
she would be a great classical dancer and yeah. we don't want to shy her away from mm -hmm. her. Remember, she's picked up, oh, dad, I want to be like this. And then she put her leg up and put her foot. I'm like, my God, where did that come from? <laughs> where did that come from? Ballet lessons? Yes. This is right? mom, you know, she, she definitely has that ankle. But, um, you know, so we're letting her do that, but she loves to play basketball. As well. She, she yeah. loves to uh, use that golf club set we have downstairs. Yeah. She likes to do just about anything. She's super adventurous. Our son is the same way. He's just now, he's two and a half, so he's just now getting just to Just starting the, to move. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah. But he loves to play basketball too, but when the music comes on, that boy, they, they're doing things that we've never taught them. Right. Ooh, which is yeah. like, oh, wow. Oh, okay. Oh, right. well, you all good by yourself? We just going to let you play right. around with We it. don't need to say a thing. <laughs> I don't know your family backgrounds, but have you talked to your parents about these observations you're making about your kids? Did they say the same things about you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they definitely they definitely did. But, you know, when you're growing up, it's just like, oh, okay, you know what? Entertain the family. Go ahead <laughs> right. and do do that step you right. did. Right. Yeah, right. isn't that right. cute? No, that's real. That's real. Oh, they, they look so nice. <laughs> so they got Michael that Jackson step. Thing. You got that moonwalk, don't you? Go ahead and do that one more time. Right. right. But when it came to growing up, you know, it's just like, oh, okay, you know, you guys are getting older. Mm. Or do you still want to continue to dance? You know, your body, you know, is going to change. And, you know, all of that. Are your parents leaning on you now? Uh, no, nah, they did. They, was they, like, they accepted it after yeah. like 25 and we still they didn't stop. Up. They were like, yeah. okay. You know, they, in, they inserted, you know, those things, those questions at about 25. And then after that, they were just like, oh, okay, you know what? You got it. Right. <laughs> I know the music's just uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to move because, like, these are not the people I want to try and dance in front of. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. They'll just hit me with a rock and leave. Um, <laughs> what is something that you would like to tell yourself 10 years from now? So you're going to write it Ooh, down. Wow. And you're going to send it now. to yourself in the future. Mm-mm-mm. Oh. Wow. I would tell myself 10 years into the future. I'm going to tell myself 10 years from the future, thank you for staying vigilant. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Because I see my future self as somebody that stayed vigilant uh, and, and have arrived at a place sought after, mm. not hoped for. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hope I get, no, I sought for this and I got there. Mm. I see myself as that type of person 10 years from now. So if I was saying anything to my future self, thank you for staying vigilant. Wow. Oh, wow. How do I go after that? that I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. that, that was a mic drop moment. Right. Please, please don't drop like, the mics on the cobblestones. But Like, yeah, <laughs> everything he said. No, but, wow. What would I say to myself 10 years from now? Wow, you finally have everything that you've prayed for, and God saw you through to the end. Right? Because there's a scripture that says, Anything that God, but I'm paraphrasing right now, which you probably should never do with scripture. <laughs> but basically, the but gist. You're also on the spot. I right, stuck you on the spot with a right? microphone, so paraphrase. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to just trust and believe in the gift that God has given me. And whatever it is I pray about, I'm going to continue to seek to uh, go forward with that. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to thank myself and God for that. Thank him first for the vision and for me upholding it. Whatever it may be, you know, because things change and life changes. Mm. And I be, uh, I'm a strong person of faith. And when yeah. I pray about something and I ask for God to show me the vision, he makes it very clear. <laughs> and whatever it is, I, I intend to follow. Right. 
Yeah. He who has started a good work in you will see it through to completion. To, to, to the see end. it through to completion mm -hmm. to right. the day of Christ Jesus. Come on, right. that's the scripture. I remember, I, I, that's I remember. what I'm talking yeah, about. Right. You see that? That's the scripture I was talking about. Mm hmm. Yeah. So that, that scripture right there. <laughs> <laughs> what he said. <laughs> Don't ask me where it is at the moment. But I remember. I remember. Hey, you know, <laughs> sometimes people, I, I do occasionally get a chance to talk to people who listen to the podcast. And sometimes they make little criticisms like, well, I'm just like, yo, you don't have any idea how hard it is. And Craig hands you a microphone and a set of headphones. Yeah. And he says, okay, I'm going to push this button over here. And then, you know, no pressure or anything, but click. Right, know? right. So I, I try to, uh, I think of this, it's, there are three of us, but it's two-person beach volleyball. It's me and <laughs> the guests. And my job is to set. And you guys are doing the spiking. So it's, we're working together as a team. So part of this is... When you guys want a break, then I can be the class clown a while and carry the conversation. <laughs> give you a chance to catch your breath. So, and if things don't land well, that's my fault. I didn't set it correctly. No. What is... Yeah, I, what I need to do is work on my like, communication skills because I have too many ideas. And then I make people nervous because I go... <laughs> like, where is it going in that mental palace? I'm like, no, I just, there's so many things. And I'm cognizant of how much time I have left and mm -hmm. I want to go forever. But... Do you see yourself? It's like a crazy question. So you guys have traveled a lot for dance. Uh -huh. And I mean, people can go look that up. Like This isn't an encyclopedia here. Are there... Do you, do you see yourselves here forever? Like, I mean, maybe you don't want to move while the kids are, are in the school district, but like just in general terms, is it just Philly forever? Or are you like, no, man, I really got to go <laughs> the scene in Iceland. I got to go. You know, like, is there... Can you see yourselves oh, moving? Or? We that have, so, have had so many conversations about that. Yes, I mean, we have. We love Philly. Special that place is, in my heart, that born is and raised. clear, by the way. It is really clear. And I suspected that that was going to be the case. Mm -hmm. We do. Another reason why, when you said, I think, uh, Queen, I think you said Rittenhouse Square. Mm -hmm. I think the idea for this part comes from you. And I will generally, we're off on a tangent, I will generally jump on those suggestions from guests mm -hmm. because if you say it, there's like a deep reason behind mm -hmm. things that people say. Like people say, we go over here for lunch. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so <laughs> I, I suspected Philly was like deep in your bone marrow. Mm -hmm. um, but having said that, you were saying Philly, but... But I mean... Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> this place will always be special for us. Yes. Will we mind relocating? Mm -hmm. No. But at the same time, are we trying at the moment? No. Yeah, but not we're at the moment. Open to the option if mm -hmm. it becomes available. It's something about life, you know, it you realize that every five to maybe ten years feels like an entire lifetime. Mm. True. Amen. It feels like we've had about you know, five or six lifetimes here. Yeah. You know, in yeah. different phases of self here. Mm -hmm. What is myself outside of here? Right. We always ask ourselves that all the time. What what kind of artist would I be if I was in a different space? Right. Would I still be the same? And you won't know that answer until you actually experience it. Now, True. for myself, coming from Baltimore, coming here to Philly, so I've been in both cities for 18 years now. So I have dual citizenship, so to speak. I, I've literally <laughs> lived in both cities for 18 years. And so... It's this thing, it's like, you know, I, I came from a different space here and, and grew here, but I also know that this was a different space for me once too, and I got used to this right, too, and right. another space can become a different place for me, but we can become comfortable yeah, too. you can see how that could be. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. 
though. I mean, I don't think we would commit long term, like Mm-mm. forever here, like you know. But yeah, it's hard to do. Right? Yeah, it, yeah. Is, it is. If you get lucky to get a little three to five year stint somewhere, why not? You know, right. just to have that experience. My, you know what? My brother is in the is in the service. Uh, he's in the army right now. He's in South Korea, and you know, he's lived in Alaska. He's lived in Italy. He's mm-hmm. been back and forth to Canada a number of times. Like he, he's really traveled and lived places. I'm like, dude, how did it feel to live in Italy for three years? Like that, that must be amazing. And now he's in South Korea for another two years. Those are all experiences that, yeah, you can't have without actually doing it. True. If I gave you guys a plane ticket. I talked your parents into babysitting indefinitely. Okay. Uh, and I gave you, <laughs> we need a little caveat. And I gave you plane tickets for two anywhere in the world. Then housing on the other end, where would you go? You already know. Brazil. You would go to Brazil? Yeah. Why? I might go to Japan. I'm going to take your phone before you break it. <laughs> I, might, I might go to Japan. Mm. I, might, I might go to Japan. Yeah. Hmm. I would go to Japan. Why Japan? Oof. It starts off with my grandfather. He started it. He was a Marine before he became a minister. And he always was like, yo, if you ever had a chance to go to Japan, go, 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 go. He passed before, you know, that opportunity came for myself because I've never been yet. But he just kept talking about how technologically advanced it was. And this is back in the 80s. He's telling me this, 90s, early 90s. So I can only imagine what it's like now. Half the video games I came from came from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their respect for black culture is very high as well. So it's like it's a place where who I am is accepted and accepted embraced. Accepted and recognized, yes. Um, and, and, you know, so that's definitely a place where I will want to investigate and explore, of course, the methodology of Japanese culture as well. Like, I would like mm. to experience that firsthand. You know, I don't. Yes, I've read it in books. Yes, I've had sushi every now and again. Yes, I, you know, like, those are, that's great. But yeah. to actually live there, feel the vibe and the culture. You know, swim in the society. And there it is. Queen Di, I'm, you, you seem like you're, all right, I'll go along to Japan. But where do you want to go? If, if You have to go together, so you have to, you have to duke this out. But his vote is for Japan. Where's your vote? Mine is definitely Brazil. I love their dancing. I love the music. I would love to experience the culture firsthand. The food, the people, everything about it. I've been wanting to go there for years. And so to just go there and, and, and study that, that would be priceless. I've been saying this for like 10 years now. No, you're right. You're right. You've always said, <laughs> yeah. man, I just want to go to Brazil. Yeah. But you talk about having an indefinite babysitter. I'm like, okay, I might. Oh, no, I mean. I, you might, know. I might go to Japan for a little bit. I mean. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be nice. It'll be nice to go to you know to both. But I, I, I really want to go to Brazil. The argument for dinner. <laughs> I, think this, I know what you're going to be talking about for dinner. What? Right. Chaos disorder. My work here is done. Yeah, I wouldn't mind Japan though, but I definitely we would go to Brazil first. <laughs> I, 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 okay, having been to Japan, I'm not saying I saw all of Japan, but I saw a lot of it and several different parts of it, and I think you'd enjoy Brazil more. Japan, okay. I, I think I see why you want to go to Japan, but I think I think you should I think you should do what your wife says. Oh, I think exactly. you should go to Brazil. You know, <laughs> do exactly. you know the most important phrase you learn when you get married as a guy? <laughs> yes, dear. Yes, <laughs> No, I agree. You're right. Happy, happy wife, happy, happy life. life. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I... I I don't get a chance to talk to couples that often on mic. And I've, I find, I, I 
I have all these things that I didn't want to say them up early because it messes up the soup. But now that we have the soup is simmering <laughs> and it's all good and we're like, we like it. There's a special bit of magic that happens when you get to interview people who know each other really well, especially when they're married. Mm-hmm. The little thing of like, I ask, I always ask a question. I don't say who I'm asking it of and I just see who answers first. That tells me a lot about what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's usually the guys who answer first. It's like the women kick them out in the traffic. You go first. <laughs> I'm second. <laughs> so see what this guy wants, you know, <laughs> answer his question. Um, so I, I really enjoy it. I'm glad that you guys took the time. To sit oh, down. thank oh, you. Thanks for having me. I know you're yeah. saying that, but like you got to punch time in your day and you got to, you know, there's there. I often say to people who say, I want to go do X or Y. I say, mm-hmm. all right, well, that's going to take about two hours, three hours. Where are the three hours in your day when you're not asleep that you are sitting in Zen meditation? Because that would be the three hours you have free to go. Nobody has any free time. Right. So uh, no matter how much you say it wasn't a big deal, I appreciate that you carved time out of your lives to come and hang out with us in the park. It is a little hot. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> right. right. So uh, now you've experienced the crazy Craig dementia just goes all over the place. (laughs) What is uh, so many, I'm always torn between asking clever things or just trying to ask the first thing that comes to mind. And I'm I'm just wondering is, well, let's go here first. Maybe not, maybe we're not quite done, but is there a story that you guys would like to share? Because I love to collect stories, to asking people to tell a story reveals who they are, how they tell it, <laughs> how they look at each other guiltily before deciding which story to tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stories there. There are a lot of those. Yeah. Oh, man. But you're the storyteller. I'm the storyteller. No pressure. No pressure. What wow. do they say about the women <laughs> kicking the men into traffic? You go first. Yeah. Wow. So many stories. So many stories. So many stories. <laughs> oh man, a good story. Dang, it's like dog or a light story, dog or a clever story. Okay. Here's a story. I actually have two. Wow. This pot like it's a twofer. <laughs> so you know, one night, uh here's a quick one. So you know, one night, regular club night, summer night, we're out, we're having a good time. Crowd was low. Normally it is how it starts because we were always one of the first people at the club. So when you get there at 1030 when the party starts, nobody's really there until midnight. So, you know, we're there. We're getting it in. We're dancing. We're having a great time. Everybody shows up. It hits midnight. Everybody's going off. They have the hip hop night upstairs and they have house downstairs. So we're downstairs. We're dancing. And all of a sudden, I see people all start to turn their head. I'm like, why is everybody turning their head? So we're dancing. Right? And I'm dancing, and somebody says, Kyle, turn around. And I turn around, and Shaquille O'Neal is standing behind me. I'm like, oh, it's Shaq. Shit. <laughs> right? It's Shaq. Hey, they say, I dig it. I dig it. And then starts popping. And I'm like, oh. like So it was like, that was a dope moment. He went upstairs, you know, and, and it was what it was. But you would never expect to see Shaq behind you in a club one night. So True. True story. That's a club story for you right there. Um, another legendary moment. Now, I'm going to have a disclaimer for this one. Uh-oh. So, you know, some people will refute this knowledge. It has been refuted knowledge because there is no actual footage of said thing. But us in the community of street dancers know that our impact from behind the scenes, things that never actually, the stories that never get told, happened, right? And so I say this with, with you know, all love and honesty. First, shout out to Don Campbellock. Mm. You know, he just passed away. Uh, what was that two, uh, I was say two months ago. That was back in April. Yeah. <laughs> he, he graduated, yeah, right. That was back in, 
It was back in April sometime that we passed. It might have been February. Mm-hmm. But so I got the honor to meet him two times. Once in 2007 and once in 2000 and what was that, 14? When we had Kingsley and everybody there and, and, and the crew? Yeah, it was about 14, yeah. 14 at Kenny's event. Shout out to Kenny. Kenny Clutch. So Kenny Clutch does this workshop. It, it wasn't a Clutch workshop. It was Illadolph Legends. 2007. Yeah. Illadolph Legends. All right. Ran by uh, Lorenzo Harris, Rennie Harris. Shout out to Rennie Harris, who was the first person to pull me into the street dance theater realm. He was he has the longest running hip hop theater company known, mm-hmm. period, globally. So it, it's a definitely, definitely a, a pleasure to work for him for eight years. But uh, he throws this workshop. I mean, the, the summer intensive called Illadelph Legends. And at Illadelph Legends, he brought in pioneers of every dance form and had them teach just for one week. And that was it. So that was our source of information. Mm-hmm. So we get like a couple of words, mm-hmm. right? And then we don't see them people for another year, if not ever again. Right. So it, it was dope. And one time he had Don Campbell there in 2007. So I finished getting some lunch and I come upstairs on the second floor of the terror building. And everybody's like, yo, Don, you got to tell the story, Don. You got to tell the story. It was like, yeah, you got to tell the story, Don. You got to tell the story. <laughs> Peer pressure and, much? Right. I'm sitting there like, okay, well, I'll tell the story. He said, all right, well, here, here goes nothing. He said, right. So, you know, you know, I, I danced a long time. It took me a long time to get to Hollywood. He just like said Hollywood. And so I got to Hollywood and I got a call from Hollywood saying, yeah, we want you to come down to the studios. He goes, okay, okay. So he comes down to the studio. So we got this kid. It's going to be the next great sensation. He's going to be the next great sensation. And he's like, okay, well, point him out. I'll do it. Yeah, sure. I want them to teach him that locking thing. Okay, I'll teach him the locking thing, right? <laughs> so he says he, he went in, had plenty of studio sessions with him, tried to get him to learn. He said he, it just didn't take to him the way they expected it to take to him. But nonetheless, you know, hey, it is what it is. And he said, uh, I tried to teach the kid how to do the dawn, uh, how to do the points. And he's like, he couldn't do the points. So I said, son, just stand still and do this. <sighs> that, that kid was he was gag. teaching, that person he was teaching was John Travolta. That movie, Saturday Night Live. Fever. Uh, I mean, Fever, right. Sorry, Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> as soon so, as you pointed, I'm like, oh my God, I know what you're doing. Exactly. Uh, right, right. And you'll see him do some of the locking hallmarks, like the knee drops. Uh, and you saw no, I got to watch that again. The baby doll right, and things right. of that nature. All... African-American social dances, right? And where did that come from? Uh-huh. Behind the scenes? Behind not, the not, scenes. I was going to say behind the scenes influence. I don't mean like, you know, backroom deals. I just mean like you didn't see it. It happened behind the scenes. Right. Right. Somebody really deep into the DNA said, hey, what about, have you thought about this? Right. Yeah. You know, so, so that, that's out there. And, and, you know, he said, he said that story. And I'm like, oh, wow, that makes so much sense. Right. It was like... Wow, hip hop has been hiding behind the scenes the whole time, and we just never knew. And but to hear that firsthand, is, right, is amazing. I'm, I'm going home Netflix, right? Right, right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, right. But that's yeah. the deal. It's not on Netflix, and, and that's oh, that's not. part of the problem. You know, a lot of our stories get swept to the side, and and true credit isn't given. And these days, now they're trying to pull those folks out. But that's the importance of hip hop. And the thing about hip hop is we're about oral oral history mm. right if you didn't come in contact with us you don't know that you history didn't know. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right so it then puts value on oral you know oral traditions oral storytelling you know it's it's important heck that takes us all the way back to where we started like if we're talking about dance as a form of communication and mm-hmm. it's oral history and deeply innately human true right, right. 
So those are my stories. <laughs> we'll just let that go. I mean, like I said, people. Some people looked, are gonna refute it, you know. So some people are gonna have just arguments. Just so the queen die, and she looked the other, like you know, looked. Who are you looking at? Yeah. Oh, you're looking at me, right? Right. Yeah. yeah I think it, uh, you don't have to. It's yeah, I don't not really meant to be a pressure a, situation. Yeah, I don't really have any stories. Oh, oh, you got a lot of stories. <laughs> All right, how about that? Tell them, tell them that time. Tell them about when you danced for Miss Jade. Oh wow. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, I remember I that. I remember that. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not that story. much of a storyteller. I don't know. Uh, that's something about walking. Oh, it's uh, walking. This would be walking quietly, but still throwing it down. I don't know. Why would you <laughs> that? She doesn't talk a lot, but you do not live in a two by two. <laughs> she knows to tell the story. All right, all right. I, I'll briefly tell it for you. So she gets this phone call from a friend, you know, a friend that we danced with at the time who was also a member of Rennie Harris Peer Movement. Shout out oh, to Mel. Oh, but wait. Oh, I can't talk about this because this is amazing because this was my second That's time working with Miss This is why I said, like, what about that story? Okay. You ready? Oh, yeah. So, right. you know, the amazing oh, thing about Philly, once again, is the amazing thing about Philly, once again, is the, the artistry of the people here and how diverse we are within our art. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was uh, an artist named Miss Jade. Philly representing. She's a Philadelphia rap artist. Rap and artist. with me being a Philadelphia dancer, it was great that we've crossed paths twice. So early on in my collegiate career, I want to say about 2003 when I was at UArts, mm-hmm. me and a couple of my friends with another girl, Miriam, she had booked a gig where she was choreographing for Miss Jade and she asked me to come along and be a dancer. At that time, it was amazing because I would watch Miss Jade on TV and she was really hot with like Missy Elliott and she was doing her, her song, Get Your Big Head on the Floor. I'm right. not going to try to act like I can say, ain't nobody uh, seen me move, move like, like that. that yeah. So it was an honor to do, to dance for her. So we did a couple of shows. Uh, we did uh, Powerhouse uh, that year, which is Powerhouse Philadelphia. Do you ever? The name there? rings a bell. But yes. Okay. Pa- yeah. Thrown by uh, the, sta- the radio station Power 99. Power 99. And they would have a, a festival. Whole, yeah. A festival of a whole bunch of artists that back then it was called the first union center yeah um, see because my brain's going like you know what I think we can get power 99 in the Lehigh Valley where I live and I'm like I think I've heard of it on yeah. the radio but it was one of those things like oh, that's all the way in Philly high school I don't have a car you know? <laughs> a, a radio station that I definitely grew up with um, and so what they did was had a whole bunch of performing artists and uh, rappers and dancers there and so we uh, danced for Miss Jade there and that was a, an amazing um, opportunity I had and then circling back how many years later 2011 or 12 a company member from Rennie Harris for Movement her name is Melanie Cotton she had an opportunity to dance with Miss Jade again I said oh my god for the second time so I get to dance with her and so we choreographed the two of us along with Kyle choreographed for Miss Jade and we did um a show here. What was the name? The Blockley. The Blockley. The Blockley. We performed uh, for her here. So it was just cool to see that, you know, Philly artists sticking together using other Philadelphia artists mm. to have a vision come to light. Yeah. So that's my little short story. That's it. You know, Philly uh, in the house. It was dope. Yeah, it was an amazing experience both times. Right. She was, she was definitely still in her conversation of some of the best female rappers out in the game. Yeah, know? she's still ill. She's still one of the best. Yeah. All right. So to, to be there for her and be able to provide for her was a dope experience. Yeah. Come true. That was this one time I ran into Carlos oh, Boozer wow. on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> that would be Philadelphia. <laughs> All right, we'll do one, I'll do one more question. What's one question 
you have to you have to like agree. You get one question between the two of you. You have to figure out what the question is, not one question each. What's one question that you think everybody should ask? That in regards could, to our practice, in regards to our life, and just could be a question that you and I'll just unpack it a little bit. It could be a question that you wished people would ask themselves could be a question that you think would improve our world if people asked it rhetorically more often. Could be a question that you wish somebody who had access to dot, dot, dot would ask the following question of the following person. It could be anything you want. Like it's a big, wide open tool that you can deploy, but it can be any of those. What I want to see is not what's something that you want to know so much as what's something that you wished everybody else would work on or try to learn or as a community and society try to uncover or unpack. How are you and are you okay? Those are simple questions that we can, as just a human race, can learn to ask more. Yeah. We tend to rely on, you know, speculation or assumption, believing, you know, a certain person's social status or financial status then uh, obliterates them from going through the same human phases of emotions that you do. There could be somebody you're looking at like, oh man, they're a real a-hole. They could have been better to me. You have no clue what they were going through at that moment, mm -hmm. right? The way they did that said thing, which is why forgiveness is a real thing. But if somebody was just to take a, the moment to say, hey, how are you? Are you okay? That can open up the can for so much more conversation, honest conversation, genuine conversation, and hard conversation. And healing and hard yeah, conversations. Yeah, and hard conversations, right? If you could just ask that. Maybe, maybe we can we can get somewhere, right? Because it's not about us. I'm asking you how you're doing. Right. So now I have to listen, you know? Yeah, and it's so interesting that you say that because we ask each other that every day. Hey, how you doing? How are you? But we're not really so, expecting so. an answer. You don't really <laughs> want to hear. Everyone says fine because you're supposed to say fine. It's yeah. a form of salutation. Saying, right. Yeah, no one's saying, oh, psh, man, today was a bad day. You, right? Exactly. So we walk around, you know, suppressing our deepest feelings because we feel that, well, if I told you, you don't really want to hear it anyway or you're not going to help me. And I'm all I'm going to do is depress you. So I'm just not going to say it. But, yeah, like you said, if that could be asked from a real genuine space where people really want to know and really want to help. Yeah, that would be the beginning of change. Yeah. And everybody can't care about everything. We get that. Yeah, everybody yeah, can't yeah, care yeah. about everything. Right. Yeah. But sometimes, something. sometimes, <laughs> right. 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 But, some, but sometimes listening is caring. Mm. The True. fact that you're willing to hold that information in your body. Mm. Right. That, that can just, be enough sometimes. Yeah. Some people just need to get it off their chest or feel like someone cares to listen. They're important enough to be heard. Right. Space Which, to be heard. Uh, yeah, which yeah, yeah, for sure. Which is about which is why we have the current social situations that we do, you know, with BLM and mm -hmm. everything else. Too right? much separation. Right. Yeah. Right. How well, are you? Right. And if you bring it back around full circle to hip hop and street dance, that's why people dance to express their feelings that they can't say verbally because they don't know if people are gonna understand them. Mm. So you dance it out. You dance your pain. You dance your joy. Hip hop was the recycling mechanism. How do we turn this negative into a positive? Mm. Right. You know I, mean? I think uh, Biggie Smalls, when he said, you know, whoever thought that hip hop would take, take it, it this far. far. But then he also went on to say, you know, hey, I'm here to turn negative to positive and it's all good. Right. That's really what it's about. Taking those negatives and making a positive. Well, you know what? I got fired from my job today, but you know what? 
somebody really, really appreciating my dance and wants to put me in a space to have my dance in view. You know, those things can happen simultaneously within mm. the same hour. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But that can't happen for you if you're not putting yourself in a position to give up or surrender those negative feelings. Yeah. Vulnerability is required mm-hmm. it is, for understanding. Man. And it's a scary thing, but if you can do that. Yeah. And it's hard. It's, it's not easy. There's a lot of mistrust. I have not heard that <laughs> record. Wow. This has been 20 years. Rittenhouse Square, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, before you head over there and school him, <laughs> which I totally want to see, I'll just say, and of course, the final question, three words to describe your practice. <laughs> Oh, man, I got way more than three words. Sometimes I say hyphens are free, but yes, you can, also, <laughs> you can discuss. You can, like, talk around three different topics. Three Yours uh, to do with as you please. Three words to describe your practice. Foundational. Spiritual. I want to say faithful. Mm. Three things that describe the practice foundational meaning it comes from a place from the root of what it is that it comes from faithful is the definition of faith is believing is something you can't see i never saw myself being this so every step is a step in faith now one step is a step so my practice is definitely a step in faith and spiritual because it it is led by not by myself not on my own this is i realize it's a calling it's not something everybody's to do and to wake up every day and get to do what I feel as though I was called to do instead of doing what you know, everybody tells me I should do is a blessing. So it's a spiritual thing for me. It allows me to leave the world in a better place than how I found it. So it's like, those are the three things I feel as though my practice represents. Yeah. Wow, no drop, pressure. Drop the mic. Three things to explain my practice or represents my practice. Oh, wow. I would definitely say honesty because I seek to be honest in everything that I do. I feel like that is a daily practice to be honest with yourselves. If you're honest with yourselves, you can be honest with others. I would have to say spiritual as well. I believe uh, I've been blessed with a gift from God. And I want to use that in the most powerful, effective way possible to transform people's perspectives. And I'll leave that in general, whether it's about dance or about life or to just be this possibility. That's it. My third one, I would have to say groundedness. Grounded, being grounded both in my movement and how I go about my movement practice, as well as my spiritual practice, seeking God first. And also being grounded to understand people where they are. That's what I would say. Those are my three. Drops mic. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, okay. no that's, that's what the soulism thing is about. When you, you were talking about, you know, just soul, why soul, why that word? Just meaning... Simply. Fair. Yeah. Just. It's honest. It's coming from an honest place. Soul being... I, me, it's just me. I'm not representing anything else. I know mm. it, it's, this is it. 
it was a play on words for soul of the foot. You know, sure. I dance, I don't talk. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you should talk more. You should talk more. I'm like, yeah. At the battles, I didn't talk to people. I showed up. I stood in the corner. I stretched. I just got like, you to talk for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, now, you know, look, the joints are starting to talk to me, too. But, <laughs> but nonetheless, yeah, that, that's what it's about. It's about it's about honesty. It's, it's the soul of the foot being how you hear me speak. Right. right? Mm. And so anybody that's connected to that is a soul, you know what I mean? Mm. Just soul. That's why we have the crew, that's why we have the company. Mm -hmm. These are folks that really want to speak from the heart. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And if you want to do that, that requires a level of honesty. And and we all know, you. it's all saying your parents would say, right? You can't fake the funk. Hey. You can't fake it. And when we feel it, we feel it. If we don't, we don't. Mm. That's it. So everybody attributed, we felt something. And it's it's a movement, it's not just a name. Mm -hmm. Right. So just just wanting to put that out there is one of those things. You know, anything you want to say? There it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Queen Danita, just soul. It was a pleasure. It was fun. It is hot and sweaty. I feel like <laughs> we did some good work. Yes, we did. Um, I'm really glad, as I said before, the, before we were recording and while recording, I'm really glad you guys took the time to come out and sit down and talk to me. I release you from your, <laughs> from your imprisonment so you can go move. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank Likewise. You. Thank you so much. I just wanted to say one last thing before I left. I know the world is is still going in a circle and everybody's trying to figure out what every, everything is going on for everybody, especially with COVID. Um, I just want to say, you know, shout out and respect to everyone that's that's still choosing to thrive within COVID instead of, you know, not saying there's nothing wrong with surviving because all of us need to survive, but Today is still a good day to arrest mm -hmm. the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. Oh. I feel like that's on my heart and Indeed. it has to come off because it was a travesty, man. No matter how way you cut it. So, yeah, I want to mic drop on that.